Chapter Fifty Four of Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Sela. Little Masterpieces of American Wit and Humor, Volume One, edited by Thomas Lansing Masson. A Pleasure Exertion, written by Marietta Holly. Well, the very next morning, Josiah got up with a new idea in his head and he broached it to me to the breakfast table. They have been having sights of pleasure exertions here to Jonesville lately. Every week almost they would go off on an exertion after pleasure, and Josiah was all up on end to go too. That man is a well-principled man as I ever see. But if he had his head, he would be worse than any young man I ever see to follow up picnics and Fourth of Julys and camp meetings and all pleasure exertions. But I don't encourage him in it. I have said to him time and again, There is a time for everything, Josiah Allen, and after anybody has lost all their teeth and every mite of hair on top of their head, it is time for him to stop going to pleasure exertions. But good land, I might just as well talk to the wind. If that man should get to be as old as Mr. Methuselah and be going on a thousand years old, he would prick up his ears if he should hear of an exertion. All summer long that man has beset me to go to him, for he wouldn't go without me. Old Bunker Hill himself ain't any sounder in principle than Josiah Allen and I have had to work head work to make excuses and quell him down. But last week they was going to have one out on the lake, on an island, and that man sot his foot down that go he would. We was to the breakfast table a-talking it over, and says I, I shan't go, for I'm afraid of big water anyway. Says Josiah, you are just as liable to be killed in one place as another. Says I, with almost frigid air as I passed him his coffee, maybe I should be drowned on dry land, Josiah Allen, but I don't believe it says he in a complaining tone i can't get you started onto an exertion for pleasure anyway says i in an almost eloquent way i don't believe in making such exertions after pleasure as i have told you time and again i don't believe in chasing of her up let her come of her own free will you can't catch her by chasing after her no more than you can fetch up a shower and a drop by going outdoors and running after a cloud up in the heavens above you sit down and be patient and when it gets ready the refreshing raindrops will begin to fall with none of your help and it is just so with pleasure josiah allen you may chase her up over all the oceans and big mountains of the earth and she will keep ahead of you all the time but set down and not fatigue yourself a thinking about her and like as not she will come right into your house unbeknown to you well says he i guess i'll have another griddle cake samantha and as he took it and poured the maple syrup over it he added gently but firmly i shall go samantha to this exertion and i should be glad to have you present at it "'cause it seems just to me as if I should fall overboard during the day. "'Men are deep. "'Now that man knew that no amount of religious preaching "'can stir me up like that one speech. "'For though I ain't no hand to coo "'and don't encourage him in being spoony at all, "'he knows that I am wrapped almost completely up in him. "'I went. "'Well, the day before the exertion, Kellop Cobb came into our house of Aaron, "'and I asked him if he was going to the exertion, "'and he said he would like to go, but he doesn't. Doesn't, says I, why does it ye? Why, says he, how would the rest of the women round Jonesville feel if I should pick out one woman and wait on her, says he bitterly. I ain't perfect, but I ain't such a cold-blooded rascal as not to have any regard for women's feelings. I ain't no heart to spile all the comfort of the day for ten or a dozen women. Why, says I, in a dry tone, one woman would be happy, according to your tell. Yes, one woman happy and ten or fifteen galled, bruised in the tenderest place. On their heads, said I inquiringly. No, says he, their hearts. All the girls of probable have more or less hopes than I would invite them. 
make a choice of em but when the blow was struck when i had passed em by and invited some other some happier woman how would them slighted ones feel how do you suppose they would enjoy the day seeing me with another woman and they droopin round without me that is a reason josiah allen's wife that i doesn't go it ain't the keepin of my horse through the day that stops me for i could carry a quart of oats and a little jag of hay in the bottom of the buggy if i had concluded to pick out a girl and go i had got it all fixed out of my mind how i would manage i had thought it over while i was undecided and duty was a-struggling with me but i was made to see where the right way for me lay and i'm going to follow it joe per day is going to have my horse and give me seven shillings for the use of it and its keeping he come to hire it just before i made up my mind that i hadn't ought to go of course it is a cross to me but i am willing to bear crosses for the fair sect why says he a coming out in an open generous way i will be willing if necessary for the general good of the fair sect that i'd be willing to sacrifice ten cents for him or pretty nigh that i wish so well to him i ain't that enemy to him that they think i am i can't marry em all heaven knows i can't but i wish em well wall says i i guess my dishwater is hot it must be pretty near bilin by this time and he took the hint and started off i see it wouldn't do no good to argue with him that women didn't worship him for when a feller once gets it into his head that female women are all after him you might just as well dispute the wind as argue with him you can't convince him nor the wind neither of em so what's the use of wasting breath on em and i didn't want to spend an extra day that day anyway knowing i had such a hard day's work in front of me a finishing cooking up provisions for the exertion and getting things done up in the house so i could leave them all for the day we had got to start about middle of the night for the lake was fifteen miles from jonesville and the old mares being so slow we had got to start an hour or two ahead of the rest i told josiah in the first aunt that i had just as live set up all night as to be routed out at two o'clock but he was so animated and happy at the idea of going that he looked on the bright side of everything and he said that we would go to bed before dark and get as much sleep as we commonly did so we went to bed the sun an hour high and i was truly tired enough to lay down for i had worked dreadful hard that day almost beyond my strength but we hadn't more gotten settled down into the bed when we heard a buggy and a single wagon stop at the gate and i got up and peeked through the window and i see it was visitors come to spend the evening elder bamber and his family and deacon dobbins's folks josiah vowed that he wouldn't stir one step out of that bed that night but i argued with him pretty sharp while i was throwing on my clothes and i finally got him started up i ain't deceitful but i thought if i got my clothes all on before they came in i wouldn't tell em that i had been to bed that time of day and i did get all dressed up even to my handkerchief pen and i guess they had been there as much as ten minutes before i thought that i hadn't took my nightcap off they looked dreadful curious at me and i felt awful meachin but i just catched it off and never said nothing but when josiah came out of the bedroom with what little hair he has got standin out in every direction no two hairs are layin the same way and one of his galluses a hangin most to the floor under his best coat i up and told him i thought maybe they wouldn't stay long but deacon dobinson's folks seemed to be all waked up on the subject of religion and they proposed we should turn it into a kind of a conference meeting so they never went home till after ten o'clock it was most eleven when josiah and me got to bed again and then just as i was getting into a drowse i heard the cat in the buttery and i got up to let her out and that roused josiah up and he thought he heard the cattle in the garden and he got up and went out and there we was a marching round most all night and if we would get into a nap josiah would think it was morning and he would start up and go out to look at the clock he seemed so afraid that we would be belated and not get to the exertion in time and there we was on our feet most all night 
I lost myself once, for I dreamt that Josiah was a-drownin', and Deacon Dobbins was on the shore a-prayin' for him. It started me so I just catched hold of Josiah and hollered. It scared him awfully, and says he, What does ail you, Samantha? I ain't been asleep before to-night, and now you have rousted me up for good. I wonder what time it is. And then he got out of bed again and went and looked at the clock. It was half-past one, and he said he didn't believe we had better go to sleep again, for fear we would be too late for the exertion, and he wouldn't miss that for nothing. Exertion, says I, in an awful cold tone. I should think we had had exertion enough for one spell. But as bad and wore out as Josiah felt bodily, he was all animated in his mind about what a good time he was a-going to have. He acted foolish, and I told him so. I wanted to wear my brown and black gingham and a shaker, but Josiah insisted that I should wear a new lawn dress that he had brought me at home as a present, and I had just got made up. So just to please him, I put it on and my best bonnet. And that man, all I could do and say, would put on a pair of pantaloons I had been making for Thomas Jefferson. They was getting up a military company to Jonesville, and these pantaloons was blue, with a red stripe down the sides, a kind of a uniform. Josiah took an awful fancy to him, and says he, I will wear em, Samantha. They look so dressy. Says I, they ain't hardly done. I was going to stitch that red stripe on the left leg on again. They ain't finished as they ought to be, and I would not wear em. It looks vain in you. Says he, I will wear em, Samantha. I will be dressed up for once. I didn't contend with him. Thinks I, we are making fools of ourselves by going at all, and if he wants to make a little bigger fool of himself by wearing them blue pantaloons, I won't stand in his light. And then I had got some machine oil on to him, so I felt that I had to go wash him, anyway, before Thomas J. took him to wear. So he put him on. I had good vittles and a sight of them. The basket wouldn't hold them all, so Josiah had to put a bottle of red raspberry gel into the pocket of his dress coat, and lots of other little things, such as spoons and knives and forks in his pantaloons and breast pockets. He looked like Captain Kidd armed up to the teeth, and I told him so. But good land, he would have carried a knife in his mouth if I had asked him to. He felt so neat about going, and boasted so on what a splendid exertion it was going to be. We got to the lake about eight o'clock, for the old mare went slow. We was about the first ones there, but they kept a-coming, and before ten o'clock we all got there. The young folks made up their minds they would stay and eat their dinner in a grove on the mainland, but the majority of the old folks thought it was best to go and set our tables where we laid out in the first place. Josiah seemed to be the most rampant of any of the company about going. He said he shouldn't eat a mouthful if he didn't eat it on that island. He said what was the use of going to a pleasure exertion at all if you didn't try and take all the pleasure you could. So about twenty old fools of us sought sail for the island. I had made up my mind from the first aunt to face trouble, so it didn't put me out so much when Deacon Dobbins, in getting into the boat, stepped onto my new lawn dress and tore a hole in it as big as my two hands, and it ripped half off in the waist. But Josiah having felt so animated and tickled about the exertion, it worked him up awfully when, just after we had got well out onto the lake, the wind took his hat off and blew it away out onto the lake. He had made up his mind to look so pretty that day that it worked him up awfully, and then the sun beat down onto him, and if he had had any hair onto his head it would have seemed more shady. But I did the best I could by him. I stood by him and pinned on his red bandana handkerchief onto his head. But as I was a-fixin' it on, I see there was something more than the mortification ailed at him. The lake was rough and the boat rocked, and I see he was beginning to be awful sick. He looked deathly. Pretty soon I felt bad, too. Oh, the wretchedness of that time! I have enjoyed poor health considerable in my life, but never did I enjoy so much sickness in so short a time as I did on that pleasure exertion to that island. I suppose our being up all night 
a-most made it worse. When we reached the island we was both weak as cats. I sought right down on a stun and held my head for a spell, for it did seem as if it was split open. After a while I staggered up onto my feet, and finally I got so I could walk straight and sense things a little, though it was tedious work to walk anyway, for we had landed on a sandbar, and the sand was so deep it was all we could do to wade through it, and it was as hot as hot ashes ever was. Then I began to take things out of my dinner basket. The butter had all melted, so we had to dip it out with a spoon, and a lot of water washed over the side of the boat, so my pies and tarts and delicate cakes and cookies look awful mixed up but no worse than the rest of the companies did. But we did the best we could, and the chicken and cold meats being more solid had held together quite well, so there was some pieces of it considerable whole, though it was all very wet and soppy. But we separated them out as well as we could and begun to make preparations to eat. We didn't feel so animated about eating as we should if we hadn't been so sick to our stomachs, but we felt as if we must hurry, for the man that owned the boat said he knew it would rain before night by the way the sun scalded. There wasn't a man or a woman there, but what the perspiration and sweat just poured down their faces. We was a haggard and melancholy-looking set. There was a piece of woods a little ways off, but it was up a quite a rise of ground, and there wasn't one of us but what had the rheumatiz more or less. We made up a fire on the sand, though it seemed as if it were hot enough to steep tea and coffee as it was. After we got the fire started, I hissed it an umbrella and sat down under it and fanned myself hard, for I was afraid of a sunstroke. Well, I guess I had sat there ten minutes or more when all of a sudden I thought, Where's Josiah? I hadn't seen him since we got there. I riz up and asked the company, almost wildly, if they'd seen my companion Josiah. They said no, they hadn't. But Celestine Wilkins, little girl who had come with her grandpa and grandma Gowdy, spoke up and says she, I seen him going off toward the woods. He acted dreadful strange, too. He seemed to be a-walking off sideways. Had the sufferings he had undergone made him delirious? says I to myself. And then I started off on the run toward the woods, and old Miss Bobbitt and Miss Gowdy and Sister Bamber and Deacon Dobbinson's wife all rushed after me. Oh, the agony of them two or three minutes, my mind so distracted with forebodings, and the perspiration and sweat a-pouring down, but all of a sudden, on the edge of the woods, we found him. Miss Gowdy, weighing a little less than me, maybe one hundred pounds or so, had got a little ahead of me. He sought backed up against a tree in an awful cramped position with his left leg under him. He looked dreadful uncomfortable. But when Miss Gowdy hollered out, Oh, here you be. We have been scared about you. What is the matter? He smiled a dreadful sick smile and says he, Oh, I thought I would come out here and meditate a spell. It was always a real treat to me to meditate. Just then I come up a panting for breath, and as the women all turned to face me, Josiah scowled at me and shook his fist at them four women and made the most mysterious motions of his hands towards them. But the minute they turned round, he smiled in a sickish way and pretended to go to whistling. Says I, what is the matter, Josiah Allen? What are you off here for? I'm a-meditatin', Samantha. Says I, do you come down and jine the company this minute, Josiah Allen? You was in a awful takin' to come with them, and what will they think to see you act so? The women happened to be looking the other way for a minute, and he looked at me as if he would take my head off, and made the strangest motions toward him. But the minute they looked at him, he would pretend to smile, that deathly smile. Says I, come, Josiah Allen, we're going to get dinner right away, for we are afraid it will rain. Oh, wall, says he, a little rain more or less ain't a-going to hinder a man from meditating. I was wore out, and says I, do you stop meditating this minute, Josiah Allen? Says he, I won't stop, Samantha. 
I let you have your way a good deal of the time, but when I take it into my head to meditate, you ain't a-going to break it up. Just at that minute they called to me from the shore to come that minute to find some of my dishes, and we had to start off. But, oh, the gloom of my mind that was added to the lameness of my body, them strange motions and looks of Josiah wore on me. Had the sufferings of the night added to the trials of the day made him crazy? I thought more than as likely as not I had got a loony on my hands for the rest of my days. And then, oh, how the sun did scald down onto me, and the wind took the smoke so into my face that there wasn't hardly a dry eye in my head. And then a perfect swarm of yellow wasps lit down onto our vittles as quick as we laid em down, so you couldn't touch a thing without running a chance to be stung. Oh, the agony of that time, the distress of that pleasure exertion. But I kept to work, and when we had got dinner most ready, I went back to call Josiah again. Old Miss Bobbitt said she would go with me, for she thought she'd see a wild turnip in the woods there, and her Shakespeare had an awful cold, and she would try to dig one to give to him. So we started up the hill again. He sawed in the same position, all huddled up with his legs under him, as uncomfortable a looking creature as ever see. But when we both stood in front of him, he pretended to look careless and happy, and smiled that sick smile. Says I, Come, Josiah Allen, dinner is ready. Oh, I hain't hungry, says he. The table will probable full. I had just as leaves wait. Table full, says I, you know just as well as I do that we're eatin' on the ground. Do you come and eat your dinner this minute? Yes, do come, says Miss Bobbitt. We can't get along without you. Oh, says he, with a ghastly smile, pretending to joke, I have got plenty to eat here. I can eat mosquitoes. The air was black with them. I couldn't deny it. The mosquitoes'll eat you, more likely, says I. Look at your face and hands. They're all covered with them. Yes, they have eat considerable of a dinner out of me, but I don't begretch em. I hain't small enough, nor mean enough, I hope, to begretch em one good meal. Miss Bobbitt started off in search for a wild turnip, and after she got out of sight, Josiah whispered to me with a savage look and a tone sharp as an axe, Can't you bring forty or fifty more women up here? You couldn't come here a minute, could you, without a lot of other women tight on your heels? I begun to see daylight, and after Miss Bobbitt had got her wild turnip and some spignet, I made some excuse to send her on ahead, and then Josiah told me all about why he had come off by himself, and why he had been a-sittin' in such a curious position all the time since we had come in sight of him. It seems he had set down on that bottle of raspberry gel. That red stripe on the side wasn't hardly finished, as I said, and I hadn't fastened my thread properly, so when he got to pullin' at him to try to wipe off the gel, the thread started, and being sewed on a machine, that seam just ripped from top to bottom. That was what he had walked off sideways towards the woods for. But Josiah Allen's wife hain't one to desert a companion in distress. I pinned him up as well as I could, and I didn't say a word to hurt his feelings. Only I just said this to him as I was fixin' him. I fastened my gray eye firmly and almost sternly onto him, and says I, Josiah Allen, is this pleasure? Says I, you was determined to come. Throw that in my face again, will you? What if I was? There goes a pin into my leg. I should think I had suffered enough without your stabbing on me with pens. Well, then, stand still and not be a caperin' around so. How do you suppose I can do anything with you a-tossin' round so? Well, don't be so aggravatin' then. I fixed em as well as I could, but they looked pretty bad. And there they was all covered with gel, too. What to do I didn't know. But finally I told him I would put my shawl on to him, so I doubled it up cornerways as big as I could, so it almost touched the ground behind, and he walked back to the table with me. I told him it was best to tell the company all about it, but he just put his foot down that he wouldn't, and I told him if he wouldn't that he must make his own excuses to the company about wearing the shawl. 
so he told him he always loved to wear summer shawls. He thought it made a man look so dressy. But he looked as if he would sink all the time he was saying it. They all looked dreadful curious at him, and he looked as Mishin as if he had stole sheep, and Mishner, and he never took a minute's comfort, nor I another. He was sick all the way back to shore, and so was I. And just as we got into our wagons and started for home, the rain began to pour down. The wind turned our old umbrella inside out in no time. My lawn dress was most spilt before, and now I gave up my bonnet. And I says to Josiah, This bonnet and dress are spilt, Josiah Allen, and I shall have to buy some new ones. Well, well, who said you wouldn't, he snapped out. But it were on him. Oh, how the rain poured down. Josiah, having nothing but a handkerchief on his head, felt it more than I did. I had took a apron to put on getting dinner, and I tried to make him let me pin it on his head, but says he firmly, I ain't proud and haughty, Samantha, but I do feel above riding out with a peak apron on for a hat. Well, then, says I, get as wet as sop if you had rather. I didn't say no more, but there we just sought and suffered. The rain poured down, the wind howled at us, the old mare went slow, the rheumatiz laid hold of both of us, and the thought of new bonnet and dress was a wearin' on Josiah, I knew. There wasn't a house for the first seven miles, and after we got there I thought we wouldn't go in, for we had got to get home to milk anyway, and we was both as wet as we could be. After I had beset him about the apron, we didn't hardly say a word for as much as thirteen miles or so, but I did speak once as he leaned forward, with the rain dripping off his bandana handkerchief onto his blue pantaloons. I says to him in stern tones, Is this pleasure, Josiah Allen? He give the old mare an awful cut, and says he, I'd like to know what you want to be so aggravating for. I didn't multiply any more words with him, only as we drove up to our doorstep, and he helped me out into a mud puddle, I says to him, Maybe you hear to me another time, Josiah Allen. And I'll bet he will. I ain't afraid to bet a ten-cent bill that that man won't never open his mouth to me again about a pleasure exertion. End of a Pleasure Exertion A simple-hearted and truly devout country preacher, who had tasted but few of the drinks of the world, took dinner with a high-toned family, where a glass of milk punch was quietly set down by each plate. In silence and happiness, this new vicar of Wakefield quaffed his goblet, and then added, Madame, you should daily thank God for such a good cow. End of section 54 Recording by Joe Sela